kindergarten through uh, six, they're going to be combined today uh, in class, and so they are welcome and invited to go ahead and head upstairs to the loft. We were glad to have you guys worshiping, worshiping with us. We are continuing our uh, journey through the book of John. And we're in John chapter 8. And we're taking it chunks at a time, trying not to take years, but also we don't really want to skip and miss uh, and so we're in chapter 8, and we're going to be looking at verses 31 through 36 today. Have you... My downtime anymore is once I get the kids, our little kids, into bed... About what I have the energy for is to walk down the stairs and sit on the couch. And so our go-to recently has been to watch uh, the kids ask, what, do you, what are you watching on TV? It's cops and robbers shows. So we, we like the good guys and the bad guys and the good guys win and they always, you know, get the bad guys. Um, but it made me start, you know, NCIS or, or, or Person of Interest and just different shows where there's, a, you know, the, the, the bad guys uh, always get caught. But it made me think, because I'm thinking of different shows, I'm thinking of movies even, it made me start thinking about how things are portrayed in cinema, in TV, movies, that type of thing. Um, and I just started making a list. I'd be curious, like, something's going to come to your mind, I'm sure. But, like, it's interesting to me. It's happened enough that it stood out that, like, in the movies or in TV shows, if they're walking out with groceries, everybody buys French bread. Like, there's a French bread sticking out of the bag. I, the ventilation system is the best place to hide or sneak around the building. Just something that I noticed, right? Cars that crash always catch fire and blow up. Which freaks me out when I'm in traffic over here on National Highway, right? I'm like, these things, no. And, it's always so when they get when the person in the movie gets to the destination there's a spot right up front they just they park there they walk right in the hospital or they walk they park here they walk right in the police station they walk what wherever they're going there's a spot up front uh are, are you thinking of anything like in movies any lock can be picked uh, with the little, well, possibly with a credit card or a paper clip, but sometimes you need the little kit that I guess everybody keeps in their back pocket. 
Except if there's a kid trapped in there and like the and it's a fire or something, then it can just be kicked in. You don't need the lock picker thing. Bombs always tell you how much time is remaining before it's going to explode. Um, like if something happened at night. When this is specifically very specific to like NCIS, those type of shows, when something happened at night, when the investigators show up the next morning, everybody is still there. Like the accident's still there, the guy that's dead still laying on the floor, all the witnesses, like they've been standing there nine hours, like they're just standing there. Everybody's still there. If you're in a fight and it's just me. And several bad guys, the bad guys are very polite in only coming at me one at a time. <laughs> so that I can like do my moves, defeat him, and then move on to the next guy. And throwing someone typically can knock them out for minutes or however long you need that to happen, right? Are, are, can you think of any, like, things that just happen in movies, right? Uh, <laughs> obviously, movies, TV, not real. Or they can be based on real accounts and real stories, but a lot of the action, a lot of the things are, are, can be pretty stretched, right? It's pretend. It's a reality. What's dangerous, however, is when we live our lives, if, if there's a pretend reality. If we're living that as if we're in this pretend reality, and it's like the real thing. And sometimes, either, either by ignorance or simply not wanting to be reminded, we fool ourselves. We fool ourselves into, into thinking our lives are really different than they are. And what we're going to learn from the Gospel of John today is some of us think we're free. And we're really slaves. And some of us may think we're slaves or will always be slaves when we could, in fact, really be free. I think it's interesting, specifically, that we're, we're talking about freedom. Um, because as we look around this globe, even in just the last week, with the, with the different escalations of, of, of conflict between Israel and other Arab um, groups, Hamas, and we still have, it's taken the spotlight off, but it hasn't changed the fact that there's something going on there, the fact that there is conflict continuing in Ukraine like they didn't be like okay guys let's take a pause Israel's gonna do some stuff now no there <laughs> there's strife there's struggle there's 
things going on there. And it's getting back to freedom. Groups wanting to be free or, or feeling that they're being imposed on, on others. We live, or I'm going to say think we live in this in America. We are free. We have the freedom of speech. We have the freedom to bear arms. We have the freedom. Uh, we have freedom. But I'm going to say, I'm going to propose that we, although live in this land of freedom, are still slaves. We can be slaves to the grinds, to the work, to the workplace, to to busyness, to 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 materialism, to uh, busyness, to our kids. We. we live in this land of freedom but many of us live in enslaved life and what we need is the truth about who we really are and throughout John is telling who is this Jesus and 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 John is answering with all these different traits and characters and today we see he is the truth and that sets us free. That he is the truth. Jesus is the truth and the life. That he sets us free. In the beginning of this chapter, Jesus offers grace and forgiveness to the woman caught in adultery. The next time he teaches, he gets into this very heated conversation with the Jewish leaders. Claims about his claims to be sent from God and be God's son. But not everybody was arguing with him. And we pick up the story in verse 30. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And who is Jesus? He's the truth who sets us free from sin. This is great news. But what does it literally mean? How does it work? And so we're going to pick apart several of these verses and come away with this understanding of what, of what this looks like and how to be set free from sin is first we've got to recognize that we are a slave to sin. So the first step in being set free is recognizing the fact that you're not. In the middle of this teaching about how you can set them free, the Jews interrupt Jesus, right? We just read and said, we're Abraham's descendant. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can we, you say, that we shall be set free? In other words, we don't need to be set free, Jesus. We're already free. The Jews were in bondage. They were under Roman rule. 
only free to the limits that the, the Roman authorities had placed on them. They had been enslaved multiple times throughout history. They were in denial. But Jesus wasn't talking about national independence or personal freedom. He was talking about the state of their souls. Not the first time that people around Christ don't get what he's trying to explain to them. Won't be the last. But he's asking very specific questions and they're not understanding. He was speaking of the state of their souls. And without, without him, he was teaching that they might think they're free, but really they're enslaved to sins to thinking and behaving in ways that are against God's perfect and good plan for our lives, right? None are more hopelessly enslaved than those of us who falsely believe that they're free. No one is most more hopelessly enslaved than those that don't believe or believe that they're free. And this is the precisely the plan of our adversary, of Satan. He lures us into thinking we're free when really we're enslaved to the evil desires of our fallen nature. We, we think, I'm free, I can do anything I want, but really we're in slavery to the results of that kind of freedom. Pain brokenness, separation from others, eternal separation from God. You know, when we are in bondage, we excel at minimizing our enslavement. So when we're in bondage, I feel that we have this default tendency to minimize our enslavement we just we think just maybe a few more adjustments a few more things done a little bit differently and everything will be all right it's not true what is true is that when evil becomes a habit it becomes a habit that we on our own accord cannot break we can, we can be a slave to hatred, filled with hostility, aggressiveness, rage, ready to strike at any moment. We, we can be a slave to pride. In our arrogance, we can indulge in, in, in prejudice, in bigotry, because we think somehow that we're better than someone else. Our own self-importance will enjoy telling someone when they're, when they're wrong. We can be a slave to, to gossip, indulging ourselves in another's reputation being ruined. We can be a slave to the misuse of sexuality, thinking that if I look at pornography one more time, it, it won't hurt. And the truth is, we keep on looking. We can be a slave to materialism, 
always buying just one more thing to satisfy our souls. And we find out when that's over, we never seem to really have enough. We think we're free, but really we're in bondage and our sin entangles us. And and what is worse is that as we continue in these, they do not give us the same pleasure as they once did. In fact, the more we do them, the more miserable we feel and the more pathetic we become. And so the first step uh, uh, to being truly freed from all of this is to recognize you need to be freed. We need to be freed. And once you get there, the good news is that freedom is available for all who will follow the process that Jesus explains. And that second step is believing in Jesus. We see in verse 31, there was an old story uh, I came across about a man who, who uh, sent into a mail-order company uh, to send plans. He wanted to build a birdhouse. So instead of sending him the plans for the birdhouse, they sent him the plans for a sailboat. And he tried to put it together, but it just wouldn't work. He couldn't figure out what kind of bird was going, uh, was going to live in this dumb birdhouse. So he wrote a letter and sent the parts back to the people. And they wrote a letter of apology and added to his post uh, a P.S. If you think it was difficult for you, you should have seen the man who got our plans trying to sail a birdhouse. If you want the promises of God to start becoming real in your life, you've got to make sure you've got the right materials to work with, right? And that first step is to believe in Jesus. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said. So all of the instructions in this passage are given to those who first believed in Jesus. They believed he was who he claimed to be. They placed their faith in him to be their Messiah. And it was only from this starting point that freedom from sin can be received. So first we need to recognize our need to be freed from sin. Then we come to Jesus and place our faith in him. And if we want to be set free, then we follow what Jesus tells us next. And he tells us in verse 31 to hold to his teaching. Hold to his teaching. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are my real disciples. Okay, what does this word hold mean? The Greek meno, most commonly translated, abide abide in him also carries with it this 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 thought of to stay with to not to depart so if you abide in me in my teachings you are my real disciples Jesus was glad that these people had believed in him. But he taught that if they wanted to really be set free, 
from their sin, that they, they were going to have to choose a life of discipleship. And all discipleship is just a big word for growing. Growth. Growing in an understanding. Growing in a maturity. Growing in the teachings of Jesus. <clears throat> They would need to abide in his word, to stay with it, to not depart from it, to hold on to it. And that, he says here, is what will prove that they are his real disciples. So that has to tell me that there were some that heard and some that maybe even professed and saying, you are the Messiah, but then didn't follow, didn't abide, didn't hold on. Are you abiding in Jesus' teaching? Are you reading God's Word? Are you submitting to and trying to apply it to your life? Are you, are you looking at how to take it from here and put it to action? Abiding, I'm, it, abiding is hard. And when I say abiding... In, we live a fast life, like increasingly fast, exponentially fast. Like, I'm living faster now than I did 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I was reading some statistics, and they, they were talking about going, uh, going back and people going back and watching old films, like kind of classic films. If we went back, and I, you know, I'm not saying they're classics, but I'm saying even going back and let's watch, you know, like watch some movies from the 80s, uh, you know, Back to the Future, or any of these kind of classic kind of movies, and people report like, losing interest and not because of the con like it's classic con but this they're like this movie's just so slow well it's because movies now are i think training or training us or along with the times this happens this happens this happens this happens next scene this happens this happens that so even our movies, our media, our videos, everything is going faster than it did. And so to actually abide in something, to take a breath, to go up, let's say, on that mountaintop or up on that hill, to spend time in prayer or to be silent. When's the last time you were been silent and I'm not talking about like you and your wife disagreed and so there was silence 
not the treatment. But I'm saying being like that's there around our littles, like there is no silence. Like it's, but that's not just them. It's like our society. The second I and I'm just as bad at it as anyone. I get a minute. I sit there for a second, and I just instinctively pull out my phone and just start. What's going on? I want to see. Well, are there any news headlines or what's going on here? What, like, we constantly feel like we have to be busy or have to be doing something, and there are times where we need to, you know, be productive. But we see in Scripture there is a time for abiding. There is a time for rest. There is a time, you know, it's a abiding. And fruitfulness. More used to, we used to te- talk about that years ago. And it's a cycle. And we feel at times that we're supposed to always be fruitful. Well, how, how can you always be fruitful if there's no time for replenishment and recharge? And, and so it's got to be this balance of abiding. And not always is abiding pleasant. You know, when a plant is fruitful, many times it's because it's been pruned, right? And there's a season uh, of death we're going into, you know, winter, where all visible growth, many of the visible growth and everything will dwindle and die off. There's still life, but it's ready to burst forth this next spring and so they i mean nature shows us that rhythm of abide and jesus saying you must abide in me you must rest in me you must take hold of me this can't be something that you hear once jesus i love jesus he's the most important but then you just continue on this rabbit or uh, hamster wheel And then expect things to change. We're, we're, we're still enslaved, right? We're still shackled. If you want to be set free from sin in your life, it's going to take more than just passively believing about Jesus. It, it, it takes you rolling up your sleeves putting in the effort towards learning and in holding on to his teaching and in growth. And if you think that you're the only one that struggles with this, then then Satan's winning (laughs) because we all struggle in this. That's why we call, he's called us together as the local church. It's not because he wants us all gathered up in this building and then gathered up in that building and he's like, oh, we just need them all perfectly kind of symmetrically around the city. He's gathering our, his people in the local church so that we can live this out together. So that we can walk alongside one another. For when I may be strong, another may be weak. And when I may be weak, another may be strong and if you hold to his teachings and if you are a disciple then you will know the truth 
you will know the truth. You don't need to go your life wondering what's wrong, like what's right and what's wrong. If you are in him, if you are growing in Christ, if you are digesting and, and taking in his word, you should not be confused about which re- direction you should go, not being you should not need to be swayed by the wisdom of the world and the lies of Satan. If you abide in his word, proving yourself to be his disciple, that promise is that you will know the truth. You'll know how valuable you are to God. You'll know what your life is all about. You'll know what is truly important and what's not. You'll know what habits you need to be developing. You'll know what you need to repent of. You'll know the power of the Holy Spirit to make the changes called for, and you'll know when the devil is lying to you, and you'll, and you'll send him packing. I mean, remember John eight forty four. we're going to get to, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Speaking of Satan. And when you know the truth, you're set free from the tyranny of the lies of the devil. And so the truth that you will know as a disciple, as a believer, abiding in him, recognizing who Christ is, holding to his teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, verse 32. And when we know the truth, and we're abiding in it, and we're following the word, God speaks to us through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, through others in our lives. And at that point, we are free to become that person that God really wants us to be. And then ultimately, when we are set free, then in verse 36, we come to an understanding that we will no longer be a slave to sin. In his book, Teaching the Elephant to Dance, uh, James uh, Belasco describes how trainers shackle young elephants with these heavy chains in this deep stake driven into the the ground. And that way the elephant learns to stay in its place. And older, powerful elephants never try to leave that have been trained in this way. Even though they have the strength to pull the stake and walk away, their, their conditioning has limited their movements. And so with only a small a metal bracelet around their foot attached to nothing, they stand in the same place after being trained like that. And there's actually no stakes. The Word of God says that when we hold to Jesus' teaching, we will be set free, really free. Free from the power that sin has over us. So many of us live like the elephants, like still considering ourselves shackled to our old habits, our old desires, our old persons. 
That's who I used to be. But we're not. We're free from slavery to sin because of the blood of Jesus. We have been set free. Because God graciously offers up the gift of His Holy Spirit. We are free. And I have to, going into a kind of some closing thoughts but I have to just speak a second on this picture that we see in this passage of the difference between a slave and he specifically talks of the household of a slave and a brother or a slave and family and so as a slave you would have no, nothing of your own. There, you, could leave, you could be sent off immediately. No, nothing within that household is yours. You're there to serve, to do your job, and the second you're not needed, you're discarded. But when we place our faith in Christ, and what I just said, because of the blood of Jesus, we've been set free. When we are set free, we are made family. We are adopted in. There's a grafting in. And so now, as, a, as an adopted, as a kinship, as a family, we now have ownership of, there is an inheritance there is a part that we are of. And so this, this beautiful picture of being adopted, not, on, not here in the physical sense, but into Christ's family. And so now that all is His, will one day be ours because of our relationship with him. So we need to understand we are a slave to sin that we, and that what we need to be freed. If we believe in Jesus, we, we make ourselves his disciples by holding on to his word, and then we promise, and then the, the promise is that we will know truth. The truth will set us free. And if we're free by Jesus, we are truly free. We are no longer slaves to sin, but, but free to become the person God's made us. So, what's keeping us? What's, what's keeping you from experiencing this in your life? Have you never understood that you're truly in bondage? Have you believed in Jesus, but maybe never submitted your life to his teaching? Have you stopped abiding in his word? Have you stopped holding to? Have you found yourself like one of those elephants and you're, you're ready to put those shackles behind you?
I believe our, our heart, our soul longs for freedom. We long to be free. And the only thing that can give us true freedom is Christ. And so my prayer this morning as, as we go into a time of prayer and into a time of communion is that if there's anything that you need to break free of, we would love to pray with you. We would love to walk alongside of you. We would love to encourage you. Not because we've got it all together, but because Christ has gathered us here together as one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just... I. God, throughout this world right now, there are so many different situations, so many different conflicts, so many different lives being lost, blood being shed. Over a, what's perceived as a physical freedoms, But God, my prayer, my prayer for this body and my prayer for our country, our prayer, my prayer for this world is that they would come into an understanding of a spiritual freedom. That they would come into an understanding of who you are. You're not just one that's been written of in a book. You're not just one in a list of other teachers or prophets. But that, God, you are the creator. And your son, Jesus, came to this place to walk among us and to ultimately bear that sacrifice for us, to be that atonement, to be that sacrifice, to allow us to commune with you. And so, God, I pray that for our world that everything would just be laid bare and that they would come into an understanding of a spiritual freedom of who you are. And through that, all things began to fall into place and worship you. And I pray that for our people this morning, that we would worship and praise you for the freedom that you give us in your name, in your truth. breaking chains you are a, you are a chain breaker we pray these things in your son Jesus name amen again
again, I would invite you for, for prayer. We have our communion emblems several places around the room. And so I just encourage you to come to reflect, to take together, take individually, um, to come and, and share in communion with us this morning.